All right, Luke 14, this idea of completion, why finishing what we begin is so important. As we look at Luke 14, let me just set it up for us. There was a point in the ministry of Jesus where many people were following him for the wrong reasons. He had a large crowds following him, but they weren't all following him for the same reasons. In fact, a lot of them were following him just to be entertained. He had done some amazing things, and he was doing them. And you never knew what he was going to do. You never knew what he was going to say. He was popular, and it was in to attach yourself to him. And so there was a lot of people who were identifying with Jesus who had no intention of really implementing the more serious things that he has he had talked about them doing in relationship to God. But they were very curious and very interested, and they were excited about it. It was, it was entertaining. And many people, including Jesus' disciples, were just caught up in it. The disciples were overjoyed. Not that people were following Jesus for the wrong reasons, but that there were a lot of people following him. And they were basking in the sunshine of what seemed to be success and popularity. And Jesus was unimpressed. In fact, the implication is, if you read the scriptures before the text that we're going to look at, and I'm kind of setting it up now, is that he was almost bothered. Because at this point, he was not interested in just having people follow him to follow him casually. He was actually, he knew where this was heading, and he understood the fickleness of, this, of those who said they were committed to him. And how easy it would be for them to abandon him when the heat started to be applied and and when things started turning against them, how quickly that group of people would melt away like dew underneath the midday sun. I mean, it would just be gone. And so he turned to them and he, and, he, and he made some statements about life and about love and about hatred, about what the cost of discipleship was. And it says that he confronted them with this idea of why, were you why are you following me? Are you willing to carry a cross? Now, a cross was a symbol that, you know, we look at a cross now, and, and for many of us, you can see on that wall, there's a, we've got a, a symbol of a cross. And those of you who are not able to see it, there's one on the wall. But we're all familiar with it. <laughs> we're all familiar with it. And this idea of a cross, for a cross most of us, it, it's, it, we think of Jesus. Many people just wear it as an ornament. Uh, but for many, the cross represents something. It represents the love of God. It, it represents a, the, the heart of God. It represents a sacrifice of the lovely one, the beautiful one that we sang about, who gave everything for us that we might live. It's the testimony to, a, to the extent to the, that a loving God will pursue us. We, we sing about the cross. A lot of our songs are about the power of the cross and what the death of Jesus means for us in terms of giving us life. But for them, when Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up a cross. It didn't mean that yet. All it meant was something ugly and shameful and horrifying. Criminals were put on crosses. Rome took care of traitors, rebels, thieves, and they hung them on these crosses. It was an ignominious, shameful representation. It didn't mean good things. It meant bad things. It was a, it was a scary thing. It was a brutal thing. It was a violent thing. Hardly a token that was designed to say, come, let's take this up. And Jesus says, unless you are willing to take up your cross and follow me, then, then unless you're willing to die to something, you will never know what it means to live truly with me. And so this was 
the crowd that was laughing and having a great time and excited, they and the disciples, who must have been just absolutely, there he goes again. Why does he always have to do that? They're excited. We're happy. And now, how, this is like the last thing, if you were a political person, that you, would want, that, that you, would, you should be saying. It's the exact thing not to do if you want to attract a crowd and keep them committed. Although, is it really? Jesus, it was with that murmur stirring into the crowd that the frenzy crowd dropped into a murmuring silence. Did he say what he was saying? What I thought he was saying what we were talking about. It was this very quiet stillness that you could just see it. And people were confused. What's he getting at? Why is he saying this? Even the disciples. Why, are you, why do you have to talk like this? Lord, it's so polarizing. So is it really necessary? Can we just... Then Jesus gives them this. This is what we're going to read. He says, let me put it to you this way. He says, he says, for which of you, this is verse 28 of Luke 14, for which of you intending to build the tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it. And everybody who begins to see him starts to mock him. Now what he's saying is, look, we, we hear that, what is a tower? This is, he's going to use two illustrations. One's a tower, one's a king. A tower being built, a king going to war. He's going to talk about both of them as an example of what he's trying to get at. And one of the things he's hammering here is that we need to not just make a fickle, lightweight decision when it comes to following Jesus, that we have to really count the cost and weigh it out. And he's saying, look at this. And he, he points to something that we read it and we go, oh, I'm not sure what he means. But they all would have known what he meant. It would be as if Jesus said, let's go walk in a neighborhood and take a look at some buildings that are halfway done, some projects that were started, but they didn't get completed and they're stuck they're just left there. Weeds are growing there now. There's a fence around it. It says, warning, don't enter. And there's, there's half, halfway built, um, you know, buildings and rooms and, and something. You can tell foundations were laid, but somewhere along the way, finances ran out. Bad decision was made. The economy turned. There wasn't a margin. Someone had an over-enthusiastic assessment of what they could do. Something happened, but the project didn't get completed. And it stands there as a living testimony to someone, Jesus says, someone's foolishness. Now, he talks about a tower in a vineyard. They often built towers in a vineyard. A vineyard would be very extensive. A tower would be, would be built in the middle of it. And that was designed so someone could climb up on the tower and sort of survey. It was a vantage point to survey the vineyard. And oftentimes you could see if there was an enemy coming or if there was someone who was stealing something or foxes that were out there ruining the crops or if there was a fire that had got started way down there from that vantage. You could see it all. But there were often times where these things would be abandoned. They'd be halfway built and be abandoned. And Jesus says they become a memorial, a testimony to somebody's foolishness. And everybody understood that. Somebody didn't think it through. And then he goes on to say, and one more, I'll give you another example. He says, which, which of you, and he talks about now a king. He says, which king do you think? He says, well, what king going to make war against another king? So here's the picture. A showdown is occurring. One king, he says, has 10,000 men, and he starts to think about whether or not what he with his 10,000, Jesus says, is able to prevail against one who is coming against him with 20. And he's calculating out. Now, see, not every battle is necessarily going to be lost even when we're down by, you know, 50%. But there's a lot of times where you look at something and you say, wow, if I pursue this, 
this is crazy. The odds of me winning a victory here are very small. And he says, which king, as he's assessing whether or not he can prevail in warfare with his 10 against the one who's coming at him with 20, will not say, hmm, maybe it's better that we do not fight this out. I will send a delegation and we will have a discussion about what kind of peaceful terms we can negotiate to avoid what will appear to be an absolute tragedy. And Jesus talks about that as being, there is such a thing as, you know, strategic disengagement, pulling back from something because as we assess it, 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 it no matter how much faith we have in it, it it's, it's an exercise in a lack of prudence. Now, there are times, as we will see, where the Lord will compel us to step forward by faith. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But listen to the wisdom of Jesus, the rule of thumb, that there are times where we get ourselves out someplace because we haven't thought it through on the front end. Jesus then goes on to say, so likewise, whoever of you, and again, I know there are times where we need to be courageous and risk. And Jesus talked about that, the danger of doing nothing. I get it. But there's also a danger of being reckless and foolish. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of foolish things are done in the name of God, in the name of the Lord, because the Lord showed me. And there's a lot of testimonies to foolishness, half-built towers in people's lives that testify that it wasn't God, it was me. We need to be very thoughtful and careful. In fact, a lot of what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead is the value of not making decisions and thinking it's God and excluding other people who have relationship with us from giving us counsel because in the multitude of counsel there is safety, according to the book of Proverbs. Now, Jesus goes on to say, So likewise, whichever of you, look at verse 33, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be, as a very powerful, explicit statement, cannot be my disciple. Now, that is, fascinates me because Jesus is basically saying, we need to count this on the front end. Notice, you cannot be a true follower of mine. All, it's like he turns to the crowd and he says, all of you who are coming after me because you want a good time and you like what I'm doing, am I not entertaining? You like the miracles and the fish and the loaves and the cool things that I say and the way I take on the leaders that you don't like. And you like to see what I He says, but I want you to think about something. Before you sign on with me, read what you're about to sign on to. I want you to weigh, like, I want you to weigh out. It's going to involve a reordering of life. And if you're not ready to do that, don't do it. Don't do it, because it won't work. It is not meant to be dabbled with as one of the many things that I squeeze in to my personal God. See, I create my own idol. We don't make idols most in this day and age, but we create our own image of God by borrowing here, borrowing there, borrowing this. I put them all together, and I've got him. And I've created him. But see, God is uncreatable. He invites us to know him. Jesus says, you need to decide. That's what he said. He comes into the marketplace of ideas and says, Think this through. He wasn't, look, it's like following me is going to cost you things. I mean, there was, this was no stylized appeal, no soft sell, right? No, no, hey, here's all the things you've got. Now, there were other times where Jesus talked about all the benefits that come from following him. You get the abundant life, eternal life, treasure laid up in heaven. You're going to know God in a personal way. Things are going to change your life. Broken places are going to be healed. Eyes that were blind, blocks in life, 
things that are stuck, going to get freed up. I've come to give you life. Give it to you more abundantly. He whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. There's not, this life is not the end. You trust in me, you're going to have life to come. He talked about these things all the time. He talked about the benefits of the kingdom, benefits of following him, but this was not a time when he did it. This time he says, listen, wait, 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 hold on a second. Don't you sign that yet. Have you read it? Well, I just, I just want to follow you. I like you. We like this. Don't do it. Why? You're talking me out of signing on. Because I want you to finish. And I don't want you to just do it to go with the crowd. I want you to think about what you're doing and what it's going to cost because it's going to get tested. It is the way of life, but it's going to cost something. No sell you a deal, problem-free life. Just a Savior who gives everything and will never leave you. And a promise of life here and yet to come. I give you that. But I don't want you jumping on just to jump on without thinking it. Don't, don't go by. I don't want the inch deep commitment. It can't last. It's not going to work. I'm not going to sell you a bill of goods. It only works when we go at it seriously. Bottom line. That's what he said. He's still saying it to you and me. And no matter how long we've been doing it. So what do we take from that? Let me throw a couple things out. I'll call them my applications the Lord spoke to me. Let me suggest this. Because this is all about finishing. Listen, stay with it. It's about finishing. First thing to think about. And again, these are my takes. This is how the Lord pressed my heart. I'll share them. And then we take them for what they are in the Lord. But I'm going to suggest that success usually begins. If we look at this teaching that Jesus gives us, success usually begins on the front end. That how we begin something is what really, and that's true for not just following the Lord, but it's true also for any endeavor that we engage in. The front end, the weighing out end of things, the thinking things through end of things, the assessing end, the beginning part. How something is built, determined, the foundation is huge. And the higher the stakes, the more important the foundation. The higher the building, the more important the foundation. The higher we want to grow, the, the more important the basics. They always talk about it. An expert in any field is someone who has mastered the basics. How It's a fact. Cross the board. Then we have the platform to be able to try different things, except for the most extraordinarily gifted people, and even those I've found still have committed themselves to learning the basics. Jesus says if we want to learn about life and God, Commit ourselves to the basis. How we start, Jesus says, don't just go into this half-heartedly, emotionally. Think it through. Assess it out. Think about what it's going to bring and what it's going to cause. Weigh it out. The front end matters. It's true for anything we throw ourselves into. It matters. The front end matters. The beginning matters. And secondly, and I mentioned this already, any successful endeavor that we, have, we are going to move into, that we aspire to, that we feel even that God perhaps is calling us towards any life worth giving inevitably will be tested. Just a fact. Nothing of quality goes untested. There is no easy way. It's true of a church. You know, sometimes I feel, so, I feel, if I find myself in one of those seasons where you start feeling sorry for yourself, why are they saying this, Lord, about me? Like 10 people might bless you, but the one person who didn't. It bothers you. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated, right? 
it hurts. But there are, listen, but then there are times where I will remind myself, you know what, following, you, you said, Lord, that I can't take things personally. And a lot of times when we feel something, we have to let it be. We have to trust God with it. We have to give it to the Lord. It's just like, oh, it's a cliche. No, I mean, actually, it's, it's not just a cliche. It means I'm yielding my right to nurture my wound. I'm giving it to you. Lord, I can't control this. I, I examine my heart. I give it to you. I move forward. Anything of quality will be tested. It's true, in any, it's true in any relationship we have. Certainly true between a husband and a wife. My wife and I were talking about this. We were talking about how old we're getting. And we married 24 years. Next year will be 25. That's a long time. We we're looking back on our life a little bit because our children are starting to go to college. And we, we talked about how there were seasons where it was not always easy. We talked about changes in life. And we talked about rough patches, even in a marriage. Talked about how that happens also in friendships. And, it's not e- and we always don't know, how, how, why does this happen? Why do, how, wh- life is challenging at times. What is the thing? There, anything of quality is going to get tested and sometimes we need to endure into that. Jesus said it's going to be challenged if it's God. If God's, it's going to be challenged. There is a cost. Uh, there are times in our lives we're going to have to make adjustments. There are going to times where we're going to have to recommit ourselves to growth. There are times where we are going to have to examine ourselves and begin to ask God to send us a season of refreshing. That, that the old way won't do it. It's going to take a new thing. It's going to have to be a new breath of life, a new flow of water. Something, a new vision, a new goal, something to compel us, not to run away from stuff, but to get invigorated. The, the, the fact is, a, a lot of times, though, we give up too quick, and we, we, adversity begins to affect our ability, and we, and we don't like the resistance we're getting, and so part of us doesn't want to finish. We just want to give up on it. And I want to suggest, thirdly, that there is a unique satisfaction and joy that actually comes when we see things through. And that a big part of what Jesus was getting at here was the blessing of finishing things, a completed project, a finished workout, a graduation moment, a cleaned room, you know, something. And sometimes, you know, we, we have big things that we're trying to do. And, and if you're like me, sometimes there's a big thing. I'm going, when's this going to get, you know, when's it going to get done? And in fact, I found my, uh, there was a point a couple of weeks ago where I was looking at all the different things, projects that were, I, I, you know what happens, by the way? Not only is there a unique satisfaction that comes when we see, see things through, there's a unique stress that comes when we have a number of things that we haven't seen through that are sort of sitting out there like open windows on a desk, desktop, right? They're just there, multiple ones. And the more you have of those things, uncompleted, um, not finished, started here, a little bit there, all of a sudden you feel, we feel stress because... It's the, all this, we never have really rest. So this needs to get done. This needs to get done. I got, after that's done, I got to get that done. I got to work on this thing. And there's a point where you begin to feel. And so the value actually in bringing things to a complete, a lot of times, what we really need to do is just finish a couple of things. And so what's the big deal? Because it does something to settle our heart to complete something. It's good every now and then to get a small victory and to finish something, and not to quit and leave it half done. A life filled with half-built towers 
It's not really, I think, what God wants. God wants us to finish a couple, maybe some of us right now, there's a couple things we already know. I need to finish that. I do. I need to see it through. Because there's that temptation, oh, yeah, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do, and then all of a sudden it's, ah, not interested, that interested anymore. It's kind of left half done. This is half done. That's half done. Quitting becomes, and we'll see it. But I'm going I'm to suggest that seeing things through also affects, listen, fourthly, our self-esteem. And you say, well, man, we're talking about self-esteem, and that isn't kind of that spirit, this doesn't sound that spiritual to me, self-esteem, you know, just about me and self and feeling good about myself. But actually, you know what? I think God actually does care a lot about how we see ourselves. Because, and I know this is not true for everyone, but a lot of us, we have distorted perceptions of who we are. We brought them into our relationship with God. People have said things to us. A lot of stuff we do is out of our own insecurity. A lot of, a lot of times we can't even handle the blessing of the Lord because we've got huge cracks in terms of who we are. I was, I was, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at that. See, the Lord wants us to have a knowledge that we are loved by God. He wants us to be a people who are moving into wholeness so that we can be a wounded healer in his name. But a lot of times there's such huge areas of devastation and sometimes people don't see it. But we have a hard time. And the Lord wants to teach us how to love ourselves without being narcissistic, without being self-consumed, but to learn how to live in the love and the blessing of God so that we in turn can be a blessing. It is important to do that. I was talking to some, listen, someone that I care very deeply about, a friend, and I was listening to them and I was hearing in their voice something that saddened me. And they were talking about where they were in life and how this season, they just felt like they weren't, I, you know what I heard? I heard, they were, I heard them diminishing who they were. And when you care about somebody and you hear them not seeing themselves the way the Lord sees them and the way you see them, it, it affects you. And you hear them speaking words about themselves and you say, that's not true, I, I don't believe that. You're you are special. You have beauty. Don't do that. Don't say that. And, and I, I, I was, I, one, one person, I, I, a friend, I, I wrote something back. I'll just share it with you real quick. Not a lot. But they were struggling. I could feel it. I don't really have anything special to offer God. I don't really feel like my life's done that much. It's just stuff. Um, I said this, I am praying for you to have a greater sense of purpose and calling for the next season of your life. You are special, you're not perfect, but you have quality in you whether you or others recognize it. I do, and I don't want you to minimize yourself or who God made you to be. Remember the Lord's glory is to use vessels that would not often be the first choice of people. Samuel and David, for example. Also, he gets the glory when we allow him to use us in our weakness. But most of all, he sees what you can be. Think of Gideon. You are a mighty one of God. Go ahead, say it. I am a mighty one. I believe the Lord would have you to confess, this was important, to confess your destiny by faith, and in turn, this will lay the groundwork for your future breakthrough. What I was trying to say is that I want you to start speaking life and not death. You start speaking, and I'm not big on just saying things to say it, but I'm going to say, you, I said, this is what I feel like the Lord is telling me to say to you. Quit speaking death and start speaking life over you, over your future. Speak over your life who God says you are. 
Begin to prepare a future by faith that God wants you to move into. So this is this idea of moving into something. The Lord wants us not to just finish with unenthused joylessness. He wants us to finish well. And part of that is learning to find ourselves in Him. And so many people make mistakes in these transition seasons of life and are trying to find themselves. And God's saying, find yourself in me. Learn to know, and things will open. It will open. Walk with me. And, and then, uh, just quickly, the other thing I was thinking about is that quitting, another reason to finish stuff is because I think quitting and finishing can be, and I'll hurry up, quitting and finishing can become habitual. Uh, how can I say this? The more we quit, the easier it becomes to quit. And we find reasons to quit things. And I'm not saying there's never a time for the, for the strategic disengagement the strategic backing off, I get that, but I'm telling you, a lot of times we are, we quit things way too. We start telling ourselves why we should quit. We start excusing ourselves. We start pointing out, well, you know, if they, they did this or, you know, I, you know, I was sort of not given the, the whole scoop on this thing. And, and so, I, you know, I just I don't feel the same way I used to feel. We have all the reasons to justify why we want to quit and give up and, and chuck it out. But you know what? A lot of times the Lord says, don't do that. Because the, the mind justifies what the heart wants. It always will. Focus in saying, Lord, what do you want for me? And we can always find a reason to quit something that God wants us to stay with. If we really want to. We can make them up. It's funny, on a lighter note, my, one of my kids' schools, they were doing these pledges on top of your tuition. <laughs> and it was implied, this is optional, but if you don't do it, you probably won't be in the school. <laughs> okay. I get it. Uh, so uh, I wanted, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it ended up being, I realized that they actually had more flexibility than that. But I made a pledge. And then afterwards, I made the pledge. I was going, ah, like some of us do. I made a commitment. And you're supposed to finish it over the course of some couple years. And I was thinking, I don't know if I, 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 well, I, part of me wasn't like overjoyed about making the pledge. To be honest with you, I felt like I had done enough. And, but, what happens, they called me up, they confirm it. I said, yeah, that's true. And I said, okay, um, so what should I expect now? Well, we're gonna send you a verification and then a way to do the pay payment plan. I go, okay, well then I'll just wait till I get that. Well, I never got it. So I thought, well, if that's the case, you know. <laughs> I mean, they didn't follow through on their end with me, so. And I, I'll be honest, I was weighing that out. Like, you know, I, just, I would just wait this thing out and see what I, and then I, I I'll tell you something. I felt like the Lord said, okay, this is, this is how God, I feel like he, he's dealt with me. And I wasn't kind of expecting it. It was like, you need to do that, and you need to not just do that the easy. You need to go ahead and do it ahead. Because it wasn't the issue. And it was almost like, because what you're doing, will, this actually matters to me. It's not, the, it's, it's not the pledge, it's you. It's about you following through and doing what you say. It's about what you establish in your life. It's about finding the easy way out or following through with something. It, it establishes things in you. Don't just look for the easy out. Do it, and do it better than you would have. I can't say that I've always done that with the Lord. I've always responded to the Lord, but I'll say in that case, I actually did. Because I felt like the Lord was warning me in love, that it was important to finish it. 
it was important to follow through. That it would, that how we do little things shows up in other areas. It mattered to God, and it and it meant something, because it can become we we can find reasons to quit things that we don't want to do, and we can always find an avenue. Well, you know that's how they are, so that justifies. But that's not the issue. It's about us and God, not them. Us and God. That's the deal, and ultimately. It comes to this, finally. It has to do with looking into Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is, is the example that is to be set before us. He did not quit when it got tough. He did not abandon us. We are not to abandon people who are committed, who are depending on us. We're to be faithful. We are to grow in our capacity to be faithful, even when we don't feel like it. Faith cannot follow feelings. Feelings must follow faith. It's about committing ourselves and trusting God. It's about growing in our capacity to love people well for God, to keep, to cultivate good friendships, to honor our relationships, to be able to be something of what God's called us to be and not just doing it because I have to do it, but finding the joy that is there in it. This is what God wants. For the joy, Jesus said, that was set before him, he endured the cross. Looking unto Jesus, we're told in Hebrews 12, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the example that is set. And because of what he did, we live. How many people are going to live because of our willingness to follow through on our good commitments unto God? I'm telling you right now, there are some people who are going to come into the kingdom directly to know the Lord, that the eternal destiny that they have is dependent on a willingness on our part to commit ourselves to something God has called us to. And it may be as something as simple as something that he's asking us to be at work or at home. Do not underestimate small commitments that show up in big ways. Lord Jesus, as we are here before you, trying to grow in wisdom and understanding, but also in our capacity to love well, Lord, at the end of the day, we understand that this Christian life is not meant to be dabbled with as much as it's meant to be committed to. It can't work only an inch deep. It's meant to, meant to be rooted I do pray that you would stir some of us up, Lord, to want to pursue you with a greater degree of, of intention and intelligent commitment, that we would learn how to negotiate the difficult patches of life where everything in us wants to run away from our commitments, but you are calling us not simply to prevail and endure, but to find the joy of the Lord in it. I pray that you would quell the restlessness of some of our hearts, Lord, and stir us instead towards the listening ear for you are speaking things to us if we will listen. I ask you, God, to compel us to a season of growth. I pray that we would all begin to grow in the ways of the Lord. I ask it, Lord. I am reminded that you are greater even than our weaknesses. You are greater even than the habits that have been established and ingrained in us, Lord, that now are dest destroying things in us. You are greater than all of these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Victory is in you, Lord. True breakthrough in you, Lord. It is. It is. And I pray that we would hold on to you, Lord, like that woman who held on to you out of her desperation and was healed. Um, in the scriptures, you teach us that there are times where the desperate heart will carry the day. I pray that you will, you will draw near to us, Lord, as we seek to draw near to you. Bless us in these closing minutes. Bless us in this next season as we head into it. Bless us, Lord, with the gift of a hunger and a thirst for knowing you better. I ask this in Jesus' name. Bless our time of giving as well, Lord, as we close the service out with the band. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.